What's up, everybody? My name's Corey. I hope you are doing well. But as we all know, 2020 was a very strange year, and it brought us to a strange pivot point. Um, this is a podcast that we recorded last year, February of last year, and we have a whole host of podcasts and sessions that got away from us in the great pivot of 2020, trying to figure out what was going on with our companies, what was going on with our families and our lives. And some of these just got behind the curve. And so we are slow rolling them out in the next few weeks. We're just going to kick them all out um, before the 2021 Folk Alliance Conference that is all online this year. We just wanted to make sure these these stories got out. Um, we really enjoyed all of these pieces of art that we got to create uh, with these beautiful creators Um today's podcast, Man with Dylan, uh, so many things that he talked about doing in um, in this podcast actually came to be, uh, man, he did so many things and worked super hard, um, but you guys, we're back, I think we've leveled out, I think we have a plan, and uh, we're going to keep rolling these out, so I hope you guys enjoy all of this, let's get started. Let me take you away, carried off by the waves. I see it in your face I know you're longing to be safe Let go of where you're from All that you've overcome Maybe it's in your blood Born to be closer to the sun Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast where we journey into the lives of the many individual creatives that make up the DNA of the music industry. From record executives to street buskers, our objective is to highlight and explore the many facets of this ever-changing ecosystem. We are here to learn, laugh, and illuminate all the building blocks that make our industry what it is. Today's guest, Dylan Menzi, joined us in New Orleans all the way from Canada's Prince Edward Island, an ambitious young singer-songwriter who's been making his mark on the Canadian music scene ever since he released his first EP in 2013. He's a really special, talented individual. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? My name is Corey. And my name is Sean. Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast. We are still in New Orleans. Day two. We're like in the middle of the day now. Yeah, yeah. we're past the afternoon sleepy lull. Mm, you know, yeah, you get really yeah. sleepy at about 2 p.m. Mm -hmm, push mm -hmm. through it. And now we have seemingly an entire other Another day. day ahead of us <laughs> within this day. Yes. So we're super stoked. We had a little bit of break. And today we are hanging out with our new friend, Dylan Menzi. Hey, everybody. How are you Hi, doing? Dylan. Thank you so much for having me in. This yeah. is great. Thanks for coming, yeah. man. It, yeah. Just to give a little bit of environment, we are sitting in a hotel room. Crisscross applesauce. Where we have moved all of the beds in the room. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not on the floor, but. That's not on the floor. Yeah. yeah. No. How does it feel to be interviewed with people sitting on the floor? We're like it school children. Good. Yeah, it feels like I'm back in kindergarten and we're all just getting to know each other at the, you know, around the sandbox. That's You're just good. the kid who hit puberty like. Four yeah, years before yeah. us, which right. never ever happened for me. Like yeah. that's like I I had uh, growing up. I was extremely small, like really really small. I had a bone structure that was two years younger than I should have been. They, they mm. were like they were worried that I wasn't going to grow. They were like we have to take we have to measure this kid's bones because he's so small. It's like we need to know if he's actually going to grow into a full adult. Or, well, you yeah. looks like you did. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. Like you yeah. did. You made it. I, I, I made it. I made it. Just a little bit slower, but. 
Yeah, I made it. I'm actually yeah. interested in this right now. Yeah, I know yeah. this has Did nothing to do. Did you have to take to like human growth hormone or no, anything? No, 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 nothing like that. I just time, just yeah. needed time. Was, I just that's a song. There's a song in there. Yeah, I just yeah. needed time. What yeah. I want to know is, did you? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. Did you start playing music or writing music before you grew? Yeah. Oh, I've been playing music since I was seven years old. Okay. So like I've been, it's just been a part of my life forever. And uh, I started on fiddle actually, like mm. playing like jigs and reels and yeah. other kind of like traditional Irish music. And uh, yeah, on the East coast of Canada where I'm from and, uh, and yeah. And so I, I started there and then I went to play piano after that and then trumpet for a little while, drums after that. And then I started writing songs when I was 16 or so. So That's amazing. there was a lot of, there was a lot of time in my life where I was playing music where I was very small. Mm. Yeah. And the only yeah. reason I asked that, not just for like a weird question, but <laughs> uh, you know, you, your songs are just like, dude, I really, really enjoy the songs you play for us, but they're so intricate and they have seemingly there's such a depth in which it, you're pulling them from yourself. Mm. And I'm curious, like, if, if if somebody was coming at me saying, like, hmm, I wonder if he'll actually grow to look like a, a normal, you know, the normal size we think he should be. Like, yeah. getting things, that, like, thrown at me at a young age that you're like, wait, what? Like, this doesn't seem fair. How that might have, like, been informing you as a musician or as a songwriter as you were growing up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't really write songs until I was about 16. So by that time, I kind of hit the curve. Gotcha. That, you know, I, I'd caught up a little bit. Uh, and so I don't really know if it, affected I mean it's hard to say if it affected my songwriting or not because like pretty well everything that happens in your life affects how you perceive the world and how you would then in turn write songs about the world uh so I'm sure it had some effect I know I, I definitely uh you know I was bullied a lot when I was younger uh but like in a way like not but it, it was so weird it would be like they'd like throw me I had this one this one time uh a older kid that was on my bus uh picked me up and threw me down on the bus seat and I smacked like on buses. I don't know if you guys can picture this, like, but picture like the being sitting by the window and it's like, they have the, a little tiny lip yes, on the bottom ledge, of the window, that metal ledge. That metal ledge. So as he threw bus. me down, my head smacked that little lip and just blood everywhere. Mm. Like just split my head wide open and then proceeded to the next day, just like, we were just hanging out like nothing happened. It's just this weird, weird thing where it's just like I would just get, I would get beaten up or I would get like bullied, and then they would be my friends, and it would just be like, and then we'd be friends for years, and it's just so weird. Super weird. Yeah. It was just this weird power dynamic. I don't know what it was, but yeah. and it was just like anyway, stuff like that happened to me a lot because I was smaller. Yeah. But then you'd also get like all the girls were really like. Like, oh my God, look how cute Dylan is. He's so small. And that was pretty cool too. Yeah, that's to totally all, fine. Yeah, the older girls in school were like really into hanging out with me and would like, you know, just be around. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's I, probably yeah. why they beat you up. <laughs> probably. They yeah. <laughs> They're like, girls oh, won't talk to me. All the cheerleaders. Up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But whatever it was, it uh, it probably shaped some yeah. of the songs. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I just love playing music. I, I I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. Mm. So in your songs, um, 
you said you played all these instruments. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you record your records and you put your records together and you write these songs, because you have like a, a pretty large knowledge of what all these instruments can do, do you feel like you're writing songs as a, a bigger picture? Or do you feel like you write songs from like this little core and nucleus first and then expand on it later? It really depends on the song. Sometimes I like, I have an idea in my head. And uh, so like, sometimes I'll write a song where I'll just literally just, put a pen to paper and write out a poem and then I'll put music to that. And then other times I'll write a song where I have an idea in my head that is this huge production with like drums, bass and like big string sections and whatever kind of things I hear in my head. And and then I'll just write to that. So it's like, so it really kind of, I I mean, yeah, it it depends on, on where I'm coming from with the song in the first place. It, it really can come from a bunch of different spots. And it's hard to narrow it down, honestly, to like, because it, it, you just take it as it comes. And when it when it comes, you just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, but, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not great. I'm kind of like jack of all trades, master of none kind of deal. But uh, a story of my life. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun though. And, and, and that kind of uh, an approach to music, I find, I, I find melodies and little things that I wouldn't have found if I was just sitting with that single instrument. It's just like, I'll pick up an accordion and like find something totally different in that, in a whole other space uh, to explore. And then even after that, like, it's like, oh, well, I wrote this on accordion first, or I wrote this on banjo first, but now I'm moving it to the tenor guitar or the piano to give it like whatever kind of, depending on where the story is going in the song. And then, yeah. And then, so it's like, oh, well, this is like more of a ballad. So I'm not not really going to play it on accordion. I'll probably just play it on piano. But you never would have birthed that song if it wasn't for the instrument. Like, like there's a there's a interface between us and and that material object. I think mm. you know, like there's yeah. there's there's this this reaction, this resonance that brought out that song as a byproduct. You know, and that yeah. that song wouldn't have come out if you sat down with the same chord and the same emotion at the piano. No, definitely not. Yeah, or or. Yeah, you wouldn't even you wouldn't hear the melody. It's all it's all about like finding that melody in your head first. Mm-hmm. And so like just hearing those sounds, sometimes picking up something brand new just sparks that creativity again in a way that sitting down at an instrument that you've been playing for months just doesn't. But then on the other side of things, it's like sometimes you play an instrument like one guitar, like I've been playing six string guitar, which I didn't normally play before I would either play 12 string in an open tuning or like a tenor guitar or something else. I've really gotten into playing six string and I find now that I've like played it for months and months and months and I'm getting more adept and like more comfortable with it that I'm finding more melodies in it. But like, uh, but yeah, it, it just like, it really comes from anywhere, but I like to like have those options and open myself up to failing and not knowing what I'm doing so I can find things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So a lot of us don't know each other. Today's our first day meeting. I think we met 25, 30 minutes ago. Somewhere around there. Um, I'd like to just paint a a little bit bigger picture um, just of who you are and what you're up to and and really where your career's at right now and kind of what you're up to. I'd love to just kind of just fill my brain with just a little bit more Dylan and his life right now. Uh, My life right now, I am working on a new record. Uh, so we're in the mixing process now and that should be done right now. It's January. And so like mid February, it should be already masters are done and, uh, and ready to release. I have a couple music videos in the works and I'm just kind of pushing that content and trying to get a tour booked for the next couple months. And like, I mean, it's hard to know, like sometimes it's just, 
you're just so focused that it's hard to like pull yourself out of that focus, like being focused like that. And, uh, and it just feels like it envelops my whole life. So like right now who I am is, is that is like putting the record together and doing, yeah, the project and, and being in, in that zone of making a record. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, like I loved when I grew up, I was like, I was a skateboarder. I was a BMX biker. Like my parents had a huge skate park at our house that my dad built for us. And we would have like, there's not a lot of skate parks on the East coast. And and the ones that are there are more, they're outdoor skate parks. So in the wintertime, there's not really that many places to go. So we would have people from all over the East coast coming over to our house to ride the ramps that were inside a barn with like, wow. with a furnace and everything. So we could actually ride awesome. in the winter. The coolest so that, kid yeah. I would ever yeah. know in that yeah. age. It, it was, it was amazing. And I got to meet so many people like through that and lifelong friends that are still, I would say my best friends today are people that I met because of skateboarding. And only now after it's all said and done and after, uh, well the barn caved in and it's all gone right. now. And, and, uh, and only after it's over can I look back and say how much of my personality came from that space of like being a skateboarder and having skateboarder friends and and the music that I grew up listening to and like everything about who I was stemmed from that part of of me and like as it's just even yeah just even now I'm just realizing how how much of a part it played in who I am yeah that's a that's a wild story I I I skated a lot in high school and it's that camaraderie that comes with the skate park. Cause there's, there's like an interesting kind of person I think that not only like binds together just because of skate culture and how you dress and the boards you ride and like the, just the music you listen to, but also all those people who are willing to take so many risks yeah. and really willing to like put themselves out there. Because I remember that vulnerability of like going to the park your first time and you're not very good and you've never dropped in before. And there's all these people who it's have. Scary. Yeah, and, it's and, super and scary. It's, I feel like that's an inter- there's an interesting dynamic there of over, there's so much that's you're you're overcoming fears but there's so many people there who are like no here's how you do it and if you fall and you fall and you fall they're like well i fall all the time too yeah i feel like that kind of like i have tried to search that out in the music industry too yeah that, that kind of camaraderie of, of people who have like gone before me and 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 paved a way in which that i can follow in their their footsteps but also their mistakes and and see what they've done yeah I, I feel like that skate culture like prepares you so much for what you're up against as like a singer songwriter in this industry i i would agree and i would say it's not only just the music industry i would say that extends to many different aspects of life and taking chances taking risks risks overcoming obstacles and and just like self motivation you know and and getting to a point where you're like I can do this because like I spent f- 7 hours trying to learn how to ollie yeah. and I finally got <laughs> finally got it and now I'm going to move on and I'm going to keep growing and keep pushing and there's such a supportive nature to the skate community too where you can be skating with people who are you know 12, 12 years old <laughs> and are just learning how to ollie and like everybody's just as excited for when they land their first ollie yeah. as somebody that just does this crazy trick off yeah. of a five foot quarter pipe because it's like it's all relative to where they are and everybody's so like you, that's why it's such a supportive community because yeah. it's just it's just relative and everybody wants to see everybody succeed yeah which is a really healthy atmosphere that you don't get in a lot of places yeah and, 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 and i think like so so many places like in our in our society and and even particularly the music industry 
if you want to be successful, it is possible to buy your way into success. Mm. When you're on a skateboard or on a board with wheels and metal, like you can't, you can buy a better board and buy a better shoes, but that doesn't make you Ollie. That doesn't make you kickflip. That doesn't yeah. make you good. It's yeah. like practice and time and effort and risk and faith and hope. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that thing. And those you, life skills yeah. are so important to just being a person that is going to succeed in the yeah. world. Yeah. Know? And Absolutely. I think, it, yeah, it's a, I love skateboarding. Yeah, I love do it you still so skate? much. I do. Well, I, I try to, but like now that I'm a musician, I, I would hate to book a tour and then like break a wrist, break a wrist, yeah. break an arm. <laughs> and then it's like, it's all done. But yeah. I have a dream. And I was actually just talking about this yesterday of like touring the world and bringing a skateboard with me because yeah. mm-hmm. there's also this cool aspect. Cause when I was younger, we used to travel a lot to skate and like, places like Montreal and other things and, and other cities around. And it would be, it would be so fun. Cause you, you'd research the cities before and also just like explore the cities yeah. in a way that you would never explore the cities. If way you better weren't. than a bird scooter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you're just like, and there's all these iconic spots that you're mm. trying to find and like, and then you skate them and you're like, Oh my God, Eric Costin was here. Yeah. And like all these other, you know, it's like, it's or you meet so the locals cool. yeah. and they show you around and then you have a whole new community and a whole new place exactly. based yeah. on this thing. Yeah. Uh, skateboarding is just, and, and nobody, I don't know. It's just not pretentious at all. And it's just so, so great. I, I love it. This is, it was so funny. You talked about Montreal, skating in Montreal, and we were talking earlier about Ruben, uh, like Ruben in the dark, and he's a huge skateboarder, and he's also from Canada. It was funny, recently, like, he released a new music video. Um, and, and we he met was, him in Montreal? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we were, he was skateboarding in the music video, but it's funny, he was skateboarding, and he had a cast on, because he's also <laughs> yeah. a musician and a guitar player, and what, you were, you are like, you know, I don't really want to break my Yeah, it's my worst stuff. nightmare. Yeah. He did, <laughs> this year, and so, <laughs> oh it's, it's just, uh. Yeah. I I wonder if how like where where I come from like my uncle was a professional skateboarder so there's a little bit of skate culture around my life but I don't it I don't think when I think Canadians I think like hockey players and like yeah. like caribou Farmers. and stuff like that yeah. all the stereotypes that like like people from Missouri know very little about Canada yeah so, oh yeah so like to hear like oh there's a bunch of skateboarders and and Ruben looks like he's like straight up from Hawaii you know it's just like. <laughs> Like there's just so many people that are like my whole my whole life this year, like trying to just like getting better as a filmmaker and I'm YouTube and constantly like, new tricks and stuff. And I started following this guy named Peter McKinnon who's in Canada and like mm. he's a skateboarder and he plays music and he makes leather handbags, but he's also this incredible filmmaker and it's like literally everybody I'm finding this year that I'm interested in, I'm like, they're from Canada. Cool. Like Canada's yeah. way cooler than we ever knew <laughs> as Missouri I, kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, I think Canada is really cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is. And it's, it's a lot more diverse than, than I think, like, especially the States I find like gives it credit for. Yeah. But like, um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know much about Missouri either. Yeah. So yeah. Like, Have it, you spent much time in America or touring? No, not, not too much. Uh, I spent some time, I, I've come to Folk Alliance like for four or five years and I, I did a little bit of touring and like did a, a song camp down in, in Arkansas and, uh, and played a show out there. And, and like, I always love coming down here and I'd love to come down more just because there's some, some part of me. And I think it's ingrained in like a lot of Canadians too. It's just like they romanticize the States and romanticize like, it's like, you know, it's like a big brother or something. Right. It's, it's just feels <laughs> like when you come down, it's, really it's stupid just, big brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I, don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I love, there's so many Americans that are so sweet and so progressive and so nice. And, uh, 
and yeah, I love coming down here too. Every, every city that I've ever gone to, I'm just like in awe of, and, uh, I've never gone to New York city, but that's one in my mind that I romanticize more than anything else. And, uh, I think it's because like, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, also how I met your mother. I'm a big fan of that show yeah. too. Yeah, so yeah. like all these different places and all these different people that I love come from New York and have like, I don't know. It just seems like in that same sense of like overcoming things. And I think New York skate scene and like just, I don't know, there's a, there's a mentality there. And especially it's on the East coast. Like I'm from the East coast. There's like a, there's like an, there's a definite, uh, similarity between like all the new England States and the East coast of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how far are you from New York city? About 12 hours, okay. I'd say. I should have gone. Like, and I, and you always say, like, this is what you I say always say. You've been to Arkansas, to, but not New York City. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so <laughs> stupid. It, uh, but I have always said, it's like, it's the same amount of time to drive to Montreal as it is to drive to New York City for me on PEI. So right. it's like, I, the fact that I haven't gone is just a travesty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's your next trip. Yeah, it should be. It's, and I, I keep making plans to like go down for New Year's Eve or like, or Christmas or around my birthday. Right. It's just like, just to take a trip and, and do it. But I don't know. I, I, uh, I think I'd like to go and play shows down there too. That would I can be. tell you touring in New York City is mm. insanity. Yeah. I, I, I've done it twice. And both times I like drove a 15 passenger van and a trailer into town, which don't do. Because uh, of the tolls, it's like $140 just to get oh into town. Yeah. And then you basically have to parallel park that in rush hour. Not a good not a good thing. And another thing, you, you think this is going to be great. There's people everywhere. This is going to be awesome. Every single time I've played there, um, the first time I played there, Coldplay played next door. Right. For free. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's the other thing about even like even Toronto, Montreal, like those kind of cities too in Canada. It's the same thing. Like you're, you're competing against like the last time I played in Toronto, U2 was playing. So it's yeah. just like, <laughs> like, no, like, you know, you can't, you can't compete with U2. Can't you can't know? win them all. Just, yeah. 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 So how do you, like, I don't know what your perspective is or like what you're trying to take in as an artist and, um, and in the, in the, the people that we listen to and the things that we pay attention to to influence us. Mm. And how do you feel like specifically growing up on the East Coast, Canada, like has kind of played into who you are as a person and as, as an artist, as opposed to like, if you, you know, talking about Tweety earlier and you're yeah. just looking at these other people who have very different kind of upbringings. How do you think that plays into your songwriting? Uh, I think it plays a huge part of like, especially who I am as a person, like the, the your geography is, is so key as to like where you are and what you believe. And, uh, I mean like, and especially even artistically too, that I grew up loving bands like that were local and that I just could look up to in that same way that you were talking about, like having those role models to like in the music industry where you're like, Oh, you guys came up before me. And like, even though we're from this really isolated community, like you can still do this. Like bands like April wine exist and they, you know, like they came from Halifax or like, or, or there's other bands too, like Sloan and Joel Plaskett. And like, I mean, there's countless, countless acts that have come out and done really great things. And, uh, and I just, I find that the more of them that I meet, uh, the more it seems attainable. And also I just, I, I also feel like they influence just, I mean, in any place, like the music you listen to 
obviously is going to influence the music that you write because you're going to want to write the same type of music that you listen to, yeah, right? Definitely. Uh, and so I grew up listening to a lot of East Coast bands and I definitely think that that way of writing and even the mentality of like, there's such a culture of being a musician and and playing music on the East Coast. Like what, no matter what it is, if it's just like kitchen parties where you have like fiddles around and guitars or if it's going out to see rock bands and like that's kind of more a uh, newer I, I guess like, well, not even, I guess it's probably been about 50 years of rock bands and other things, but anyway, it's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it just, it's been so ingrained in how I grew up that I don't think it couldn't have played a part in, yeah. in who I am and yeah. in the music that I write, you know, it's, it, but it, sorry, in, in contrast to like the music that influences me now and like that was growing up. Right. Cause like, that's all you had access to was that, that part of the world. And when I grew up and uh, especially like I grew up on a dirt road down in the country and the only music that I had was vinyls that my parents had when they moved to PEI from Montreal and like the music that my brothers liked. And a lot of that was, you know, East coast bands and also like, Blink-182, Sum 41, yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Sounds like you were at a skate park. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that phase. The Sum yeah. 41 phase was, it was legit. Yeah. It was hardcore. <laughs> I, I got to meet Cone once and that was amazing. He was so sweet and just like, oh man, he was, he was great. Yeah. And that was like, especially growing up being like, my older brother had your CD yeah. and I loved it. <laughs> I, I wanted it so bad and like, just to be in the same room and like talking to that guy and, and it was just crazy. Well, yeah. What you just said, I find wildly hilarious and we're showing our age a little bit, but there was a time where like someone in our family could own a piece of music that we didn't have yeah. and we would yeah. want, where now it's just like get on Spotify and just like you can, yeah. everyone can have everything. Music was once exclusively tangible. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like in that, I know uh, for just for like checking up on what you're up to, like you just got placed on a Spotify playlist. It's like pretty well respected and well yeah. known. How does, how does like the new world of, of, of streaming and, and, and all the things that are changing, how, how does that like, how do, how, do you like that? Do you hate that? Are you just trying to figure it out? What's your experience been? Yeah, I'm more just trying to figure it out, yeah. honestly. And it's constantly changing, so it's it's almost impossible to figure it out, yeah. you know? Uh, and But I really think that, um, yeah, I, I just... I just am trying to figure it out, honestly. It's just, I, I mean, I think it's good in a lot of ways. I think that like the access to music is really cool in a lot of different areas. And especially for like new artists that want to be inspired and want to, and like you you have access to any era of music you want and, and you can just pull so much information and have such a catalog and, uh, and just be, so that aspect is really cool, but the money sucks yeah. and not having... <laughs> Any well, I mean, I think I made even with all those like the numbers on Spotify. It's like you have to if you had a million plays, you get like six thousand dollars or something. So like that that doesn't really add up, you know. It's it's really hard to make a living when you're making that little from plays and eighty percent or something or seventy percent of people discover music on Spotify. So right. it's like nobody's buying the merch or the CDs anyway. T-shirts sell and like right. other things. Soft merch tends to sell, but. I'm just, I'm really just trying to figure it out because it's still, and you know what? I don't think you can figure it out. And I think trying to figure it out and now, now that like I've been trying to figure it out for so long and now I've come to the realization that you can't yeah, and you shouldn't and you should just do what you're going to do. And the music industry is either going to like 
I don't know, embrace it or, or swallow you up, but you can't not just do you. And like, I don't know, I, I wanted, I'm really glad to be on this podcast because I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time. And, uh, I think it's a cool way. Like I have this idea for the new record is called lost in dreams and I want to get guests on, uh, and I want to have a podcast that's called lost in dreams and have guests on that are following their dreams or to talk about dreams in general or like their favorite dreams, their least favorite dreams, or like even if they have a reoccurring dream, have you ever had a lucid dream? Like all these different things. And then use the music from the album yeah. on the podcast mm. and have it be like a promotional tool. And I've never seen anybody do that before. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, do you, so, in, in doing that, like are you a person who has like tons of reoccurring dreams or like do you have a lot of experience with like a wild experience with dreams? Yeah, I do. I have very vivid dreams like all through my childhood of, and some dreams that just like stick with you. I went to Paris a little while ago and went to the catacombs in Paris. And like, if you haven't been there, you don't know. It's like, it's like a, a <laughs> underneath the city of Paris, they, in the 1700s and the 1600s, they had all these dead bodies and like no space to put them. Uh, and after the plague. And so like, I don't know. I might be, my timeline might be wrong on that, but whatever, whenever the plague was happening, there was so many dead bodies that the cemeteries were piling up. And then, so what they did was they took all these bodies and, and, and skeletons and put them down underneath the city and all these mines that were down there, like limestone mines that were down. And then, so there's 6 million skeletons down underneath the city that somebody has now, or like at some point came in and organized them and like created all these beautiful, like, but hauntingly beautiful images with the skulls of like crosses. And it was just like beautiful poetry written on the walls about like death and about just like, I don't know. It was, it was a really amazing experience. And when I came out of there that night, I had the most terrifying dream I have ever had in my life. And I can still vividly see like, it's almost too, too intricate to explain. It was like, you know, those, uh, those games where you're, it's like a hockey uh, rink and all the players are on little oh, yeah, pathways yeah. and you pull them out yeah. and like all metal and they can only go a certain direction. Mm -hmm. It's like, it was like that, but it was an apartment building uh, and the, all the humans in it were just on a track, it looked like. And every time I would move through, they would just move around and nobody was saying anything. And then there was like three animals that weren't on a track and they were like two cats and a dog or two dogs and a cat. And uh, turns. And then I would get transported from that apartment to like this other thing where this demon was chasing me and looking, I was holding a briefcase and he had to come. At, anyway, it goes on and on and on. And then, and then uh, I went back to the apartment at one point and the dog bit me. And as it bit me, I was like, I was just like so scared because it was, it had green eyes. And then I was like, for some reason, I knew that it was possessed, this dog. And I was like, I need to see it. And then at the back of the apartment, this just black figure, uh, just with horns, it was just all silhouetted, yeah. giant, mm. massive black figure with horns and white eyes was just staring down at me. And I felt like I was staring into the face of evil. Yeah. And it was like, it, it had, effect, it had an effect on me that I couldn't ever imagine I could have a dream that would affect me that much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just like those kind of things are so 
yeah, they're just life-changing experiences. And then I've had amazing dreams where it's like I put on a belt and as soon as I put the belt on, I get angel wings and I can like fly over my childhood neighborhood and like other things like that. It, or or I've had lucid dreams before too where- I want to have a lucid dream. Yeah, <laughs> I've only had one yeah. and it was amazing. It yeah. was so much fun. And But even in that, talk about skateboarding culture yeah. <laughs> where you're- where you, you know, have to keep trying and keep doing things. I, I knew I was in a lucid dream and I said, okay, if I'm in a lucid dream, I should be able to fly. So I, I tried. And at first I did like, you know, the Iron Man stance where it's mm-hmm. like two hands down and I got like maybe a foot off the ground or something. And then I tried like two hands up and that I got about 10 feet off the ground. But, and then I tried like Superman stance, like one arm up, like, boom. And I just shot off like a rocket. Yeah. And, and, and I just like took off on that Superman stance. But, and then I, I lost control and I fell into the river in Charlottetown. <laughs> but even that, like even That's in my wild. lucid dreams, I still don't have control and I still yeah. have to keep trying and keep pushing myself and keep doing things. And that's like, I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Have you watched YouTube videos on like learning to lucid dream? I haven't, but okay, I so think it would be It's really a practice cool. you can learn. Yeah. And, yeah, I've heard that. And you, you, it starts by like dream journaling. Anytime you have a dream, you keep a notebook by your bed. It's dedicated. You write down your dreams. You know, and there's this whole, look up a YouTube video because yeah. supposedly like it's a skill that most anyone can develop if they're capable of dreaming. Yeah. Um, I had one once also, and it also involved flying and it also involved figuring out some weird body shape to do it well. But the dream was so real that when I woke up, I was still convinced I could fly. Right. And I, wow. I was like 12 years old and I ran outside and I was like, if I do that same thing I did in the dream, like the feeling was so real. Yeah. I was like, oh. I'm going to run outside and fly. And of course I didn't. No, but they but are so like, real. Yeah. And the cool thing about dreams too, is it's not just about, uh, just like, it's not nonsense, you know, like the things that you dream about are the things that you have been thinking about all day yeah. and your brain resets. And then when it comes back to life afterward, it, like it shuts down and when it comes back up, all those neurons are firing and you can actually learn things in your dreams. About that, your day. It's yeah, unpacking. Exactly. It's unpacking your subconscious is what yeah, that is. And it's so interesting that like you can, yeah, you can just learn so much about yourself and even just visualize things like you were saying, like that, that, that visceral experience and like feeling like you can fly afterward is like, because your brain and, and those neurons were still firing, and I could feel them fading out. Over yeah, the next yeah, yeah, exactly. They're still firing, and that's the same thing as when they say in skateboarding too. If you can visualize yourself landing the trick, then you're more likely to actually land the trick. And I think dreaming has that same effect too, where you're just the neurons are firing, and you're actually carving out those pathways in your sleep. Yeah. And then when you wake up, they're more clear. So you're warming up the neural pathway. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I've had a whole lifetime of just, I usually have only one set of dreams or one kind of dreams. It's for my whole life. I find what you guys are talking about wildly interesting because I don't, I don't have those kind of dreams that are like these interesting things I haven't seen before mm. my whole life from the time I was a little kid and, and in, and they went away for about five years, but they're back really bad right now is, and I don't understand it, but everything is, is some form of deja vu. But I, my whole life, I always feel like today I feel like I've been here before mm. because I remember a moment where I dreamt this. Yeah. And I don't want to say like, 
I see the future. But that's really what it feels like. Oh, yeah, I just I've had can't that too. predict it when it's coming. But I have so much comfortability in my life most of the time, especially it seems to happen in the, the most significant moments in which I have the most fear or anxiety over. But constantly, we it was probably three or four times this on this trip, just driving here, we'd just be going through our day and just joking around. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I think I, I think I've I think I've been here have in you, some way. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew what the other person was going to say? Yes, absolutely. That's it? happened to me, and that is a scary place to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's it's. Uh, it, well, I mean, it's it's really interesting when it happens, and you can't even after it happens, you can't even go back and be like, did I think that? Did I know that they were going to say that, or did they just say it? And now my brain is catching up, or like, I, it's so hard, and like. Yeah, I don't want to like, like you said, like I can't predict the future, but like it feels like you can yeah. sometimes. And I, it's think just, there, it's really I think there is a common fabric to our universe and somehow through dreams sometimes. Dude, it's, it's, it makes you, get, it gets you so esoteric and so yeah. out there and you're like, it's all circular and we've all done this before and we're just, you know, it's, yeah. it's a simulation, you know. So <laughs> like dreams for me, like, and I think that's really cool that like, you're even going down that direction of wanting to have a podcast and and you know I don't know exactly how it informs your your record but like what a wild set of colors and like just a huge palette to work with that I can only imagine it's yeah. just like and I think it's just a fun podcast idea I think yeah. like you know like I think it's just like really interesting conversations and as long as you know I'm not I don't I'm not into the idea of doing like a 3 hour podcast about dreams every time yeah, yeah. like it's like I like to keep it 45 minutes to an hour of a good conversation about like just I don't know a deep dive with the person and I feel like from their dreams too you can really get a sense of of who that person is or like what they honestly like what what we were saying earlier about what you dream about is what you had been thinking about mm -hmm. in the day for right. the most part so it's like your dreams are really informed on your personality too so you can get and if you feel like you can analyze your dreams that's what I was going to ask because like if you were going to try to discuss the, yeah. the meanings and, oh my teeth were falling out so I was thinking this yeah I thought it would be cool to get somebody in like because I can't analyze dreams or like or even yeah. try to so I feel like it would be cool to have a special guest come in and yeah. do that for one of the episodes yeah. or something like it just I don't know it's a I'm it, down let's do it yeah, yeah. Let's, I, I yeah. Want, I'll come, subscribe Right yeah, away. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh I don't know when it's coming out. I haven't yeah. even booked the guests yet. So uh we'll we're gonna we're gonna try some stuff out. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> well, we got wildly off of music, but that's quite all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one of those good ones where we didn't talk about music like the entire time. Yeah, no. I hate music actually. Yeah, so yeah. This I'm is glad a, we didn't talk about this, it. This this podcast has nothing to do with music that's industry. Why none we, of us are in that industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know we've got to wrap up and we've got to all have a big evening ahead of us but if you could let us know and everyone listening to this um, how we can find you online and keep up with you and uh, to keep up with your new record definitely uh, so my website is dylanmenzi.com I'm on Facebook as Dylan Menzi as well and uh, also Instagram Dylan underscore Menzi face, uh, how do you spell Menzi? M-E-N-Z-I-E so gotcha. Dylan spelled D-Y-L-A-N and Menzi M-E-N-Z-I-E right. and Twitter I don't really use Twitter but like Same. but I'm on it yeah. you know? <laughs> if you want to follow I'm not going to post but you can, yeah. you can follow yeah. <laughs> if you need one more yeah. person to follow <laughs> yeah if you really want to keep up to date on what I'm doing Instagram would be the best place to do that Right on. Dylan underscore Menzi. All right. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Yeah. Dylan, thanks for being here, man. This has been really enjoyable. Yeah, it's been great. So once again, I am Sean. I'm Corey. And this has been the Shadowscape Podcast. We'll see you later. Bye.
If you enjoyed today's podcast, well, you're in luck. I did too. I think we all did. It was a really great time. Thanks for listening. Make sure you go over to our website, shadowscaperecords.com. Check out all of our interviews with all of our artists wherever you listen to podcasts and just follow along. We got a lot of stuff coming up and we love you so very much. Thanks for being here. Let me take you away, carried off by the waves. I see it in your face. I know you're longing to be safe. Let go of where you're from, all that you've overcome.